Listen. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. My name is Philip Mewson, and today I'm joined by Per Schneider, hey. Brian Altano, hey. and Brian Sjorgensen. <laughs> so close! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi, Take 24. Sjorgensen. <laughs> Sjörgerson. Sjörgerson. Yes. How different. Hedo Brian Sjörgerson. Yeah. If we made it through. If, if you're listening and you don't see like a lower third popped up, your your name is spelled, and I'm not making fun of you. I'm just actually explaining how terrible we are at, at saying this. B R J A N N. You and I have the same first name, but uh-huh. you go. You yours is adventurous. Right. And you started misspelling it a yeah. thousand yeah. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and your last name is S I G U R G E I R S S O N. Yeah. I can't believe we screwed that up. The son of no, Sjörger. Exactly. It's, it's so, yeah. But it's more, awesome. more importantly. So it really is that. It is the son of Sjörger. So my dad, mm-hmm. dad's first name is Sjörger. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. You've insulted the <laughs> out of my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Like a thousand Thor curses on you. <laughs> Welcome to NPC, everyone. Welcome to NPC, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, pleasure, right. pleasure to have you here, Brian. <laughs> no, honestly, well, if you don't know, Brian is actually the CEO and uh, responsible for some of the greatest indie games ever to release on Nintendo consoles, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the SteamWorld series. Uh, in particular, SteamWorld Dig 2, which was a massive hit, not only in this office, but for Switch fans and, you know, just gamers alike. So thank you very much for joining us here. We oh, it's a can't wait to pleasure. Right? Yeah. It's fantastic to be here. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd just love to ask you some questions, pick your brain about, you know, SteamWorld and the development process and sure. just a little bit more about Image and Form as well. Go ahead. And I yeah. should say first, it's like it, it wasn't me that nicked a few of your amiibos there, Pear. Oh. It wasn't me. They're not in my back. We talked about this. You can't touch I did. Them. I did notice that collection go from 600 down to 500. Oh, God. Yeah, he went to the bathroom. And yep. <laughs> what's missing? <laughs> Detective Pikachu! Um, so, <laughs> um, so, Brian, we'd love to know, like, what is, it, what is it like to work with Nintendo and getting a game actually on the eShop? How does, what's that experience um, like for a developer? Um, it can be everything. I mean, like when we put out SteamWorld Dig in mm-hmm. the first game, it was terrifying because <laughs> the, the game had to sort of slide through lot check on, on the first try. If it didn't do that, or the, yeah, lot check is the approval process. Mm-hmm. Of Nintendo. And does that mean they're, they're playing it and they're like, it's great or no bugs. it's broken or, cause I mean, isn't that kind of on you guys before it even gets to them? Yeah, but it's kind of hard, you know, it's like, um. Like there can be bugs in places where you you're not thinking about looking, um, and uh, so with the first game, Steam Will Dig, it was it really had to go through on the first try because we had, we were totally out of money, and everyone had gone on vacation. So if there had been like a rejection email, uh, there would have been no one to answer that. Oh no! We're, so so yeah, we were, were were they were they thinking like we got to go on vacation because this is not this company's not going to be here when we get back. Or maybe I sent everyone on vacation. Oh. <laughs> no, but it's... Uh, Furlough. The thing is, like, in S- Sweden stops in July, so we wrapped up... It gets so hot, right? Like, about 15 degrees, and so you guys got to <laughs> take time off. Yeah. yeah, people are, like, passing out in the street and stuff. So, uh, no, but at the end of June, like, Sweden kind of, yeah, take, goes on vacation. Mm-hmm. It, it's not operating. So, uh, like, for four weeks, everyone is just off. You guys get a four-week vacation? We get five weeks, actually. How do you oh, get any? Wow. How do you make video games? That's amazing. Well, it rains the rest of the year. So, <laughs> oh, so you stay in okay. programming. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so 
there's like about two days of, of nice weather. They're <laughs> always in July. So uh, you have to sort of be off then. And yeah. then when we got back, uh, to our relief, we had passed through Lotchek. But it was not – I mean, there's sometimes indie studios that kind of live by the day. And so a delay by two months or something can be really – Right. Can be really difficult. Like some companies Super. can't recover from that. No, right? exactly. I mean, also, I mean, we're a – so we're not a AAA studio. I mean – I don't know what the term is these days. Is it triple I for a studio like us? I like mean, a big indie? Triple I? Indie? That's good. Did I you like hear that? that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's that sort of... You guys... It doesn't really matter. Telltale, <laughs> I guess? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but the thing is that we have... Uh, um, we can't really come out with a game, say, in, in November. Mm-hmm. Like, if we miss... Uh, like, if we plan for the game to be out in August or September... And we're not done. It's it's disastrous because mm-hmm. we sort of have to wait until maybe February to put that game out because there's just so much noise going on uh, right. in the last months of the year. And so specifically, I mean, with SteamWorld Dig 2, which launched recently, uh, which we adored, you know, we could not stop telling our audience how great this game is. I genuinely yeah. love it. I 100%ed yeah. it. Even all the incredibly difficult stuff at the end, I was it's actually cursing on an airplane playing. It's the first <laughs> game I recommend to anybody who says, I want to download a game yeah. from the eShop. I'm always like, this is the same one. Um, did you guys Thank Did you. you guys have a release date planned? We did. And yeah. then did you get it? No. Uh, it was, uh, we had, we don't like go for a specific date, but I'm really adamant always. I go in and say, okay, this game, is coming out in August. There is no two ways about it. Right. And then it came out September 21st. So it's not bad. And so your SteamWorld Dig is a, for those of you who haven't played it, you should please go fix that right now. Your Switch can download games as you listen to this show. Um, it's a Metroidvania. Yeah. And you guys launched within two weeks of a new Metroid from Nintendo. I know. So, I, I mean, that came to 3DS and this came to Switch. So I don't know if that was just... <laughs> happenstance if that was sort of a magical wonderful uh surprise that dawned on you guys or it's let's put yeah it was a surprise let's put it that way <laughs> who is happy and i mean we um it seems to always go go that way i mean when we released uh, perhaps our best game ever called antil which mm-hmm. is an ios game that neither of you has played it's, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic game it came out in 2011 on the day that Steve Jobs died. Oh. So we go, we come with the game and it's like, and all the Apple media is, of course, full of, of, of the other news, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, um, Steam Will Dig is, is the lucky exception because that's like Nintendo really came through for us yeah. and, and made it sort of, made it into a fantastic launch. Steam, uh, Steam Will Heist, um, we did everything, everything happened too. I mean, just before we came out, a codename Steam came out. Oh right, and oh. and I didn't turn based. Oh exactly. my god, I didn't yeah. see that game first. I just read about it. It said, okay, it's turn based. It's okay, guys. Um, maybe there are other jobs that you can get. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like uh, with Steam Will Dig uh, Two, as you say, right? It's a Metroidvania comes out sort of right at the same time as Metroid, m- yeah. perhaps like. Yeah, well, the the, the, met, the, the Metroid, Metroid yeah, the, the Metroid yeah. herself, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, the other, yeah, M. we were worried. That's we were scary. Worried. Yeah. yeah, but at least, I mean, there, there, this was kind of like the Metroid game you wanted to get on the on the Switch, right? right. So there was some, there was good news around that that you had to go back to the 3DS to play yeah. Metroid, and so maybe that worked out well um, did, for the yeah. game, and people were interested. But I mean, calling it a Metroidvania is also 
kind of discounting that this game is very different. Right? Yeah, like right. Metroid is like there's a tunnel, there are hidden paths. There are no hidden paths here. Is like you you dig your way through. You create tunnels and kind of like in like games like Dig Dug, like a rock can fall on your head. So yeah. it's it's a very different game too. Yeah, it's it's a fair game. Let's put it that way. It's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and so just kind of to add on to Philip's question, like when you're developing a game for Steam. Uh, you know, I, I assume there are fewer restrictions. Like it's a little easier to get the game into the shop. Like how hard is it to get to get something through to the end with with a Nintendo console? Yeah, I, I mean, if you if you can bear with me a minute, I'll yeah. tell you about. It. Like so, um, I mean, the first time we got a game out on a Nintendo console was SteamWorld Tower Defense, a okay. game that nobody has played. Right? It came out in two thousand ten. And now you can only download it on Nintendo 3DS. I think it's five bucks. Oh. Get it? Um, it's it's a very very um, simple effort. But we had never met. We never met anyone at Nintendo uh, for that reason. We sort yeah. of just sent builds to them. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't even know who we were talking to really yeah. on the other uh, other end. But you did have a you had a dev kit and everything, right? Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah. So you, to get that, you were sort of like, we want to make Nintendo games. Yeah, and then that's they, it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's also a long time ago, so yeah, I can't yeah. really f- remember. But somehow we <laughs> maybe we stole it from somewhere and they made the game. But it's um, so we made that game. But like the first real deal was with Steamworld Dig, with, where we had sort of we had made that game for uh, for a few months, mm-hmm. and and we were starting to go broke. And I met with Nintendo here at GDC. Mm-hmm. Um, the game developed yeah, in 2013. Conference. Yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. in San Francisco, and when they started playing it on the 3DS, I realized that we haven't sent them any builds. We haven't shown them anything on this game oh. before. Suddenly, I just go cold inside. I said, "What if they? What? If, how does this work? Even I, yeah. like a thousand thoughts. Right? It was like, how does? Can they just say it's like, what is this? This is this isn't what I thought it was going to be. We don't like digging. No, exactly. <laughs> and just toss it out, right? Right. Or just tell us on the spot, or send us a polite email afterwards. Like, not really what we're looking for. Yeah. And like, we're sort of investing all this money without researching that properly first. Very, very clever. It turned out because. Um, no, it was very dumb, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but it seems like it was a, pr- a pretty smooth sailing since then. And now, obviously, you've made a splash. Yep. Uh, Dig 2 is one of the top-selling games on the eShop. Um, I, I assume with your follow-up, uh, you're pretty confident that it'll be an easy easy process. Yeah. Which, of course, you'll announce the game today here on the, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about that follow-up. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're playing. Pairs playing so, the long. Suddenly, game I don't here. dare to say anything no. because I'll be. I'll just say the wrong. Yeah. Thing. No, but the but the the other thing, um, you know, the other thing that struck me is like as a as a indie, you have the choice whether you put something on Steam first and maybe even try try it in early access while you're still bug testing and and, and stuff, or you can decide to put it on the Switch. Like, what what drove the decision to put it like first on the Switch? Uh, it's uh, it's the relation to Nintendo, yep. basically. I mean. If you put it in perspective, like in 2013, let's say in July in 2013, nobody had heard about Image and Form. Mm. And Nintendo decided to put us in a Nintendo Direct with this game that they didn't know if it was going to fly. Yeah. It was just that a few people in at Nintendo liked the game and sort of championed it for us. And it was really brave of them to do that. And... Um, so yeah, it was. Um, it's an easy decision for us to. Um, we happily call ourselves an indie, if right. Yeah. 
we're proud to proud to say that. No, I love that. And also, I mean, we we really enjoy being compared to Nintendo because, and I, I of course, I'm not saying that we're as good as Nintendo, but mm-hmm. we that's where we want to set the bar. We want people to talk about our games, not like it's a really good game for being an indie. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. always that. I, we get that a lot with our audience. We do it ourselves sometimes too, right? It's sort of like a handicap. Where yeah, people are just like, like, yeah, he's really, like, he's really great, you know. But it's like for two people making a game, this is pretty good for that. It's yeah, like, no, it's a good game. Period. Exactly. Like, and that's, that's just compared to other good games or great games. Like, yeah. and it's hard to do that. And I think with Nintendo coming out with something like their Nindies presentation, that's a pretty damn awesome, like, kind of cosign yeah. for them to be like, hey, these are our friends. Like, they're all they're gonna hang out. Uh, we're working on Mario's and Zelda's Splatoon's and stuff like that. But in the meantime, we got this stuff and yeah. it's them sort of giving you guys like this, like push out. And I really respect that, that, yeah. that they handle it. That so way. that's great. So you have a good relationship. So we're not yep. going to go to E3 and Xbox conference. Here comes Brian. And it's like, we proudly announced steam world battle Royale exclusively <laughs> on Xbox. One. You're just Z. trying to make me say things, no? aren't you? No, <laughs> totally not. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, um, it's it's also personal. I, I, the people that work in Nintendo, they they I think they enjoy working at mm. Nintendo. So you you sort of form a long personal relationship, and they're really fine people. Let's put it that way. So we're really happy to work with them. Well, I'd love to know, like, um, you know, the Steam World series and the the whole franchise itself is very varied in different types of game types. You know, like Dig is obviously a Metroidvania style game, and Heist is more of like a uh, you know uh, turn based style game. Uh, what kind of games did you play growing up? Like, what were your favorite oh, games growing up? Right. Well, it's like I'm, I'm probably old enough to be your grandfather. It's like you wouldn't believe that. I, I but don't know. Pear's <laughs> grandfather, maybe. It's a, <laughs> it's Philip's trick. He's actually twice our age. I'm actually older. Oh, really? Than, I'm actually yeah. older okay, cool. than Pear. Yeah. Well, so I grew up playing. I grew up playing arcade games. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, that meant that your um, what do you call it? Games that sort of were at hand, mm-hmm. kind of limited, right? We, right. You were you would be playing what games were on display um, in that cafeteria next to the school where the kids weren't supposed to to go. Mm-hmm. And there, I played Dig Dug for the first time, for example. Yeah. And uh, and all those old games mm-hmm. like Tetris was uh, played that there for the first time too. I think. It's and I enjoyed it. And the thing I enjoyed about playing arcade games was was that like every game session counted. It was so it counted. I it mean, literally, it, yeah. it cost this <laughs> much, right? which was a hundred dollars when you were that age. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> a quarter right? was like the most. Yeah, that was like cigarettes in prison. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's well, this exactly. is this is big. Right. This is a big deal. Yeah, it was. I have to right? kill a guy for this. Yeah, and so you sat there. It's like it's like are my hands sweating? It's like it was for real. Really, you sit there and it's like. I really, I have to do better than last time. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and it was magical too because it was made by gods. Like these games, <laughs> that you could actually make games. You know who makes who makes these things? Yeah. It's impossibly great. All yeah. of these games, and and they were so varied too. Like so many, so many. I mean, all the ideas come sort of from that time. Like these classic classical games. Are born at that time, and I'm standing playing them. And I'm I'm not realizing that I'm playing games that are it's sort of like history in the making as I as I play it. So I was that was fantastic. I grew up playing that, and 
And they, obviously, I mean, you mentioned Dig Dug right yeah. right away. That's right. a that's a game where you dig in the earth and uh, rocks go shaky, shaky, shaky and fall yeah. off your head or go on a dragon, right? Right. Yeah. Sick. So completely stolen comps. <laughs> <laughs> no, like uh, Boulder Dash is another game yeah. that I, right. I played on computers growing up, uh, you know, where I kind of see the connection. But it's really interesting to hear mm-hmm. you mention Dig Dug. I think the, the arcades were really awesome because, uh, and you kind of get it with esports now, it was just this thing that was bigger than you physically yeah like as a small child you walk up to this thing that was the size of a, an upright car that had donkey kong on it yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you and then, put money into it and all of a sudden this screen showed you personally a thing that you could control yeah i mean yeah i was like that's that's so cool to be able to see that and then start being like who's in there yeah <laughs> like what's inside this thing who made this yeah. it was it was just yeah exactly it was impossibly great mm-hmm. this how can you capture a person like that mm-hmm. like you stand there as yeah, your hands are sweating because it's so important, right? Mm-hmm. This session that you're going to have in this game. And then later I got, like, as a contrast, I, I uh, for for some birthday, I got, like, in the early 80s, I got um, a Game & Watch, mm-hmm. the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got the Turtle Beach one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now a famous headphone brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sold out. Not the same. And, and then another one from a competitor, Gakken or something. And yeah. it was... It was completely imp- amazing. I was amazed by these things. I would just sit with them all the time and play like on the bus on the way to school and on the bus way- on the way home. So that was your introduction to handhelds basically. Yeah. And also the first time Nintendo introduced a dual screen uh, display. Of with the Donkey Kong, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Which is what you guys eventually went to develop for on, on 3DS. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that experience is... Mm, like to be able for us to give that, or, that's why I think that it's like if you make a game, you have a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like you're, if you make something that is bad or like sub, um, like not optimized, mm-hmm. you're sort of wasting someone's uh, magical moment. If you understand yeah. mm-hmm. what I mean, like you sit there, and say, okay, I heard this is going to be great, and then it's. If it's not, then it's it's terrible. Right? So how do you? I, I think that's interesting. How do you feel when you have a game? I mean, I can objectively say I, I feel SteamWorld Dig 2 is a much better game than the first one, right? Like yes. when, when I play right, the game, like how do you feel about that? Like do you have regrets when you look at the original? Are you embarrassed? Are you saying, no, this was what we could do with the resources given in at that time and we graduate and like no, you know, no regrets, nothing. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it, yeah. that's precisely how I feel about SteamWorld Dig. That is what we could manage to do at that time. And when we put that out, I thought it looked marvelous. Yeah. I was, I was so proud of of Steamwell Dig, and I'm I'm still very proud of it because the, yeah, the ideas are so. I think it 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 really works. And then like we make Steamwell Dig too, and you you compare them, right? Mm-hmm. So I was doing a talk here now at, at GDC uh, mm-hmm. about just that, like how do you make a game better than the original? So it was good because it actually let me um, visit that, like uh, to. To think about uh, how you how you improve on things, yeah. and we have basically improved on every area uh, from Steamwell Dig, and I'm happy about that because it means that we we're learning, we're actually getting better mm-hmm. the whole time. And so, the moment you finish Steamwell Dig two, are you starting to think about the next game and like here are the elements I wanted to get in and I couldn't, or do you kind of like take time off and you just gotta you gotta refresh your batteries and just kind of collect yourself? Well, just immediately afterwards, yeah. I think it's... Um, you go on vacation for five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's... Uh, uh, we had... Um, 
just immediately afterwards, you sit and think, it's like, right after the the final build is done, you sit there, it's like, is this really cut off? Uh, like, <laughs> because there's, the, okay, I, right. Okay. Got one more thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, I mean, you would sit like that forever. You would sort of like shoehorn in Deeper. like this, yeah, the stuff at, and, and you would never get done. Well, you guys committed to finishing the game and then shipping it. That's not actually common anymore. I mean, well, a lot of games just uh, are this sort of amorphous blob that never end or start. They right. come out. They're games as a service. They're patch notes on day one and all the stuff. Happen- you yeah. guys, you made the game and put it on the shop. And it was like, this is it. It's here. It's done. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you could have half-assed it. <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is also, I mean, it, like in the... Um, in the noughties, that's I, I like that word. Like in the eighties, nineties, and noughties. Mm-hmm. So in in the noughties, we we actually were making uh, edutainment games for kids. Mm. Um, in a franchise, we made like twenty five or thirty uh, games on CD ROM uh, for PC and Mac, mm-hmm. and that was real sort of um, when you submit it to the to the to the factory that presses up mm-hmm. these CDs. It's done. It's done. It's like you yeah. cannot affect it anymore. It's if you have a bug in there or like a serious bug, you have lost so much money uh, doing that. Right. right. Yeah. And I, what was it like? Was it Metroid Prime 2 or 3? One of them had like a game-breaking glitch in it. And 3, right? Was it 3? And yeah. you had you had you could like mail your discs yeah. into Nintendo. This or you had, so, to, you had to oh. mail your memory card Yeah. In, and then they would mail yeah. your memory card back. Space yeah. Station Silicon Valley, the cartridge for yeah. 64 too, had a fatal bug in it. It's, and it seems it seems so foreign and bizarre nowadays yeah. to hear stories of that. But that's really the way it was for yeah. a long time. Yeah. So... Yeah, so like games would be perfect when they when they came, and I don't mean that we're better or in anything like anyone else, but mm-hmm. for us, it, we sort of keep that mentality. It's like l- let's avoid this. Like mm-hmm. people don't like to. Here's here's the game. I downloaded it. I say, okay, it's not working. Oh, but a patch is in the works, right? Mm-hmm. Really? It's like why didn't you make the game whole from the beginning? It's like right. why? Why am I? This is actually broken. Where do I return this? Yeah. Well, or, you're, you're competing with so many different games right now, so many different forms of entertainment. Your phone, Netflix, everything, and so you might only get that first five minutes with a player. That's it. And if they're gone, they're gone forever. And actually, they might see your logo for for all of history and be like, image and form. Oh, they really hurt. They hurt my feelings that day. Yeah. Right. Never come back again. Right. Well, you so. said that initially when uh, when SteamWorld. Dig One launched on uh, 3DS. You were very proud of the way it looked, and rightfully so, I think. Um, but how, was that the same feeling that you experienced with the launch of SteamWorld Dig 2 on Switch? Or would you say it was similar, bigger, uh, more proud, uh, more excited? Like, how? what was the team's feeling around the launch of that game and then the immediate sort of response that you received, you know, through fans and right. reactions like that? Yeah, I was... I was- I was super proud. I, I actually because I knew that the game was very, very good. Mm-hmm. With I have to say that because it was such a big difference uh, compared to Steamwell Dig. When we when we uh, shipped that game or sent it off to for approval, we didn't know. We had been so close to the screen for so for so many months that we had sort of we were deaf to sort of what it was. Mm-hmm. It's like is it is it bad? Is it mediocre? <laughs> is it good? Is it great? Or you 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 have people come into the office and play it, and it's like so. So what do you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's good. 
How immediately do you guys find out um, sort of like what, are you tracking sales on the fly? Like how, how does that information get kicked to you? Because I know. How do you know you're successful? Yeah. How yeah, do you know? Do right. you know within 24 hours like we're doing okay? We don't have to shut the factory down or anything? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you about that in just a second. But first I'm just going to say that um, I have to just do a shout out to the game director who's who – gets way too little recognition. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm always out uh, hogging credit for everything that we do. So the game director for SteamWorld Dig, for SteamWorld Heist, and for SteamWorld Dig 2 is a guy co- uh, called Olle Håkansson. Okay. And he's, well, he's, we know how to spell that immediately. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Say that again. Olle Håkansson. Okay. He's, a, he's just a, a genius. And he's sort of... Thanks, Olle. Yeah. He's sort of the, the guy that keeps it together. Because that, I because you asked about, like, what was the feeling about the game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, He is he's a really sober guy when it when it comes to killing darlings, right? He, they'll think up darlings or like uh, features in the game, mm-hmm. and um, and I uh, we we uh, like have a revision meeting or something like that. And I was like, where's where's that feature? Yeah, it's on the shit list. Right? <laughs> no, it can't be on the shit list. Yeah, it's not good enough. You know, and so I imagine there's like this list in the in the yeah. bathroom, oh. right? Where it's like, Where these features go that don't make it into the game. Well, you come in with all these ambitions, right? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, we want to have a jetpack or we want to have like a quadruple jump or he fights a boss that's like two stories, three stories tall. Right. And then you look at the clock and you look at the team and yeah. they're tired and yeah. you're like, no, it's got to go. Right. Does that list have a Swedish name? Sorry? What's the Swedish name for that list? <laughs> uh Wheatlistum. Okay. <laughs> uh, that sounds much better. There's yeah. that's no, I'm using that. Yeah, well, every, yeah. every developer like is going to use that. Wheatlistum, buddy. <laughs> Bridgen. Bridgen. Mm-hmm. Right. You guys want to start calling me Bridgen, I'm cool with it. Yep. So, right. But you asked about the uh, how soon do you know if, yes. it, if, it's, yeah. if it's working or not. The thing is that SteamWorld Dig 2 was the first game that we put out on, on the Switch. Mm-hmm. And so there must have been some glitch sort of link, uh, com- in conjunction with that, that... that They had just set up our account because the first, like, it sort of lags one day. So, like, day one sales, you can sort of find out about that day two. Oh, man. So that first 24 hours, you're just checking your phone, waiting for that email? From <laughs> no, actually, you go into a site. And okay, okay. Of, right, and, uh, It's self-service. Yeah, exactly. And I went in after after the first day to look at day one sales. It's and zero? No, no, it wasn't like, well, I mean, then I would have concluded that, okay, I was a bit early. Right? <laughs> But like, give, I gave it enough time and I went in and, and looked and it's like, huh, great. This is better than Steam Will Dig, right? The original. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm relieved, right? Okay, good. Uh, and also, I mean, like Steam Will Dig 2 is uh, at regular price. It's 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, the original is ten bucks, so okay. that means like okay, that's great. So we have more than twice the the cash for this. Good, yeah. good. People are yeah. not getting fired. And then, uh, and then I went in like a day later to check out day two sales, and then the day one sales had updated and were much larger than 
than when I went in the last yeah. time, right? Because you had the full 24 hours? Yeah. No, it was, no. No, it wasn't that. So it was, wasn't counted yet? No, yeah. it's like, so I'm like, is this strange? And then I, I go in like a day after that, like a third time, and day one is still updating. And I said, this is amazing. I'm affecting these figures. Whenever I go in, they go yeah. up. So, <laughs> so you're like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. I got to check every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was, it settled after a while, but there was something with populating mm-hmm. the, the sales numbers, mm-hmm. probably because it was our, our first title or for some technical reason. Yeah. So uh, it, it was, it was goosebumpy. It's like, you'd go in there. It's like, what is it going to be? That yeah. sounds so. Did you guys pop open the champagne after the first couple of days. Oh, we or? we did. We actually got a, a bottle of champagne from Famitsu, the oh, uh, the nice. Japanese. Yeah. Uh, right. Nice. Um, because we our score went over a certain threshold. Oh, that's then, great. And so they actually sent us a, a bottle of champagne and a gold medal. Yeah. That's awesome. Didn't that's get one cool. from IGN, but uh, <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't bribe. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have some beer on tap. We can. Yeah, we, we'll we can give you a beer after with the team. But that's great. So you guys were obviously very happy with yeah. the sales. And, and like relieved. when you look back now, I don't. You guys didn't announce like overall sales numbers for the title, did you? No. Yeah. And we're probably not gonna. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Okay. Right. That's some. It's just a competitive secret. You don't want to give away to the other guys, or no? It's could be that, but it, yeah. that first and foremost, it's like we're Swedish, right? It's like if you know Swedish people, <laughs> we're so we're so intimidated the whole time. It's like we uh, or. Inhibited. We, if we say something good about ourselves, it's it's terrible, right? It's like, <laughs> like you say something and say, "Yeah, I'm, I I feel that like now I can do thirty push-ups," and yeah. suddenly they're like, it's like someone stabbing you in the back, right? And yes. it's like that Lutheran sort of bad conscience. Like, yeah. You shall not speak well of yourself. So you'll wait till some Nintendo earnings report, and then the number is going to show up in there, and yeah, and that people happy. can find out that way. Yeah. But it's like if I'm talking about it, just who is. How are yeah. people going going to react to that? Like mm. it just if it's bad, then it's like oh, I feel sorry for those guys. Uh-huh. And if it's if it's good, it's like yeah, you you so better buy beer yeah. next time, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have one last question sure. for you before yeah. we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do we have to call to get a SteamWorld amiibo? Or I'm sorry, SteamWorld amiibos? Yes, and SteamWorld characters in Smash. Yeah. I'm um, okay. So, uh, dear people, like, go online and tell Nintendo what you think. I mean, uh, Amiibos, uh, definitely in Smash Brothers and so on. Um, do it. Just influence them. And, do it. Uh, obviously, Amiibos. That's up to us, right? We have mm-hmm. to sort of. We can. We can make the decision to do it. And um, it's just again, we're sort of concerned about that. Is are people going to buy it? Bug. Yeah. But with the Smash Brothers character, I mean, that's a really good pa- that's, point. Yeah, that's Nintendo. They that's like have Bug to Sakurai, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but because your character has very different mechanics from other, you know, Nintendo's own franchise characters or some of the the third party stuff, like just the uh, you know the the drill mechanic, the you know the the kind of the hook shot and the climbing stuff could be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the pickaxe, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. right? A jetpack. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. jetpack. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. So I don't want... <laughs> exactly. It's been out for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. No, there are some really cool tools. Yeah. I think it would be a... I think Nintendo, that would be a great fit for Smash Brothers. Yeah. yeah. 
Very, very it can true. Happen, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's do Come it, Brian. It's up Make to it you happen. guys. Come on, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> all the Brians in the world get together. Yeah. All right. Make this happen. Well, as we had mentioned earlier, uh, yes, the G- Game Developers Conference or GDC is happening this week in San Francisco, and some of us from the office got to go. Brian and I, uh, Brian Altano and Brian. I, mm-hmm. yes, had a chance to go check out all of the Nindies from the Nintendo Direct uh, Nindie Showcase the other day, and we have some things to tell you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go through some quick Absolutely. impressions of, of all the games we so played. So I saw the presentation, like most people here, I saw the presentation mm-hmm. online when they were streaming it. You know, they were there. I, I felt like there were some awesome announcements uh, and, and some game, games I obviously really like um, seeing um, return. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like this, like this kind of mind blown type presentation. It was like, oh yeah, these are all good looking games. Yeah. Same same kind of reaction when you guys played totally. it? Or? Um, I, so, I mean, the, the presentation, I think everybody always puts lofty expectations on a direct. I think in this one, in terms of like it's 10 minutes long, it's bite size, it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of them just being like, here's all the cool stuff that you can play on Switch. I thought that was great, uh, great messaging. But again, looking at a lot of it at surface level, it was a lot of sort of like uh, 8-bit, 16-bit pixely games and yep. stuff like that. And those all seemed to bleed into each other. And then we got to this event and I started playing them. And some of them specifically just completely blew me away. And I know that sounds like, you know, it's just stupid video game journalist speak. Movie poster line. Yeah, blew me away. was blown away. <laughs> um, but really, I wanted to talk first. Should we talk, you want to talk about Travis Strikes again? Yeah, you you want go, to talk about- let's just go in order. You go first. Uh, so right then, let's Travis Strikes again, No More Heroes. Obviously, it's not the sort of No More Heroes 3 you're expecting. It's a spiritual successor to that, developed by Suda51 and Grasshopper. Suda was on Up at Noon this week in the studio, so check that out. Um, and I get to play with him, uh, split screen with two Joy-Cons, which Super- Super jealous. I played too, but I played all by myself. Oh, Did man. not get to really? play with Suda. I could have yeah. that up. How is um, it, though? So it's it's really fun. We only played one of the games so far, and it's sort of like a hack-and-slash beat-em-up style game where two characters are running through this kind of glitchy, matrixy hallway and using different special attacks to beat up bad guys. Um, you fight waves of enemies and then a boss, and then you team up together and, and beat him. And it's like it's it's not nearly as deep as something like even some of the combat in the No More Heroes games, but I found it really fun knowing that this is just one of the many, many games that are going to be in this collection. So it's like a total variety game. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, not, not WarioWare small, but like smaller yeah. kind of segments. Yep. I it assume kind of, of kind of varying quality. And Yeah, and it had that thing levels. too where you have your beam katana, which is your lightsaber, and yep. it runs out of juice, and then you click in the stick and start shaking it, and both of you look very goofy doing that. Um, and it's pretty, and it's fun, and it's like it doesn't look like anything else on Switch, so you can see it here if you're watching the video. It feels a little bit to me like fury but yeah with, like actual like enemy encounters and yeah. the boss fights because there are um bosses in this game too mm-hmm. which are really interesting um but yeah like what brian was saying like the main mechanic itself is like the the beam katana and yep. you're going through uh, hacking and slashing with enemies you can play uh with single joy con right yeah and so each one of the face buttons works as a different attack and then hitting it with another button lets you do like a special version of that attack um and then you can use the shoulder buttons too so it's it's getting a lot out of the joy cons which is pretty smart um and the art's cool and the music's really great and it doesn't really look like anything else on switch obviously again it's not no more heroes 3 but i want to see how this thing pans out as a full collection because this is very twilight princess there i know those I know. weird glitches and, and all the, the bloominess the fences. Yeah. yep yeah. yep it's really cool too is um throughout the game travis uh you can actually switch his shirt 
and he wears like the logos from different indie games. Yeah, like yeah. he's rocking a hyperlight Hyper shirt yeah. at some point, which is really cool. Um, when I met Suda at PAX last year, I gave him a shovel knight pin for his jacket because they're working. They're working with those guys in some connections. So that's the cool thing about this. It's sort of a love letter to indie games and kind of a mixtape of a bunch of indie games as well. Uh, there's a Hotline Miami themed le- uh, section. So uh. yeah, I'm really interested to see how it all pans out. Apparently, it just works all into one continuous story. So Travis is basically jumping inside games within a game. Suda's always been a big fan of like games that you can play inside other games, which is if you look at something like Geometry Wars, that's basically how that yep. started. Yep. So yeah, let's see how this pans out. It'll be out this year. Um, I can't wait to play it. Very cool. You didn't get to go to that presentation, Brian, did you? I didn't, no. Yeah, I've been in meetings all the time. But I've I got to say, I love the aesthetics of mm-hmm. this game. Yeah. It's really f- fluid and, yeah. and beautiful. It's a beautiful. wacky series for sure. Um <laughs> And then you played the messenger. The messenger. As well. Okay, yeah. so I have to gush about this real quick because this is this might be my favorite video game demo I've ever taken at Whoa. an event. Oh wow! Um, what? And again, I sat down thinking this is a very straightforward eight bit style game. Uh, takes a lot of cues from stuff like Ninja Gaiden, like the original NES versions. Uh, if you look at it here, it's 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 a pretty straightforward game. It right? looks like, like Ninja Gaiden. Right? Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a simple hack and slash game. Where this game gets deep is that you are a messenger and you are given a scroll that you have to bring to the end of this game. Um, if if you're just running through the game, you'll have a good time playing it. But there's also this thing called cloud kicking or cloud jumping, which is basically this double jump that you get from slashing enemies or things in the environment. So speedrunners are going to really latch onto that because it's super cool. Uh, when you get to the end of this game, the guy you bring it to is basically like, did you take a look at the scroll you've been carrying? And you go, no. And you open it up. And you realize it's a map for the game, and the entire game is now a Metroidvania. It loops back to the beginning of the game where it takes place 30 years later from where you started, and it's all 16-bit now. And now, oh, So literally they advanced really? the yeah. clock on yeah. the graphics? So, yeah. <laughs> yes, they advanced the clock on the graphics. So the first level that you're playing is, is a forest, and 30 years later it's a 16-bit forest that now has a, like a Japanese soldier encampment there. So the environments have changed, right? But – Certain portals and areas have opened up to reveal the past. So you can jump through the future and the past, a.k.a. 8-bit and 16-bit, to uh, solve puzzles, find areas like a tree that used to be there 30 years ago is gone now, and you can reveal it by jumping through a portal. So like Link to the Past, like two worlds kind of set up. And so I'm really thinking, like, to me, this really feels like this year's Shovel Knight. It's got, first of all, this boss is is just just big, big, gross enemy. I know that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, so it's got nods to a bunch of NES games and classic vintage retro games, but without being overbearing about them. Like there's an underwater sections in the game that uh, remind me of the, the Ninja Turtles underwater sections in the original Ninja Turtles game, but without any of the timers or bombs. The overworld map looks like uh, ghouls and ghosts or ghosts and goblins, you know, so you have that sort of like scrolling. Really, really, really into this game. Uh, it's got like sort of all these different elements that you can kind of like upgrade and different weapons and powers and stuff like that. So um, I can't wait to see how this pans out. I think it's going to be fun for people who just want to fly through it. I think it's going to be crazy for speedrunners. Yeah. Um, please, please, please keep watching this game and don't just write it off as another 8 bit platforming game. Th- that's, the, that's the problem. Like a lot of games now choose this aesthetic because it's, yeah. it's easier to start with something, yeah. you know, 8 bit simple pixel graphics, but mm-hmm. then sometimes. These, these games surprise us and well, and the thing is also I mean like you see that from afar right or you if you like if you walk past it you, you judge it immediately yeah. right yeah. it's like yeah okay I understand what kind of game yep. that is it's 
how long did you get to play with it? Um, I played it for about 25 minutes. Like, honestly, it was, okay, it was, cool. suppo- it was supposed to be like, I was, I, I kept being like, I'll pass the controller to someone else. And the developers were like, no, we have to show you more. Like there's more and more and more to show you. By the way, a little birds told me that you guys were the last ones to leave and yep. that Nintendo was trying to get you to get you out and you weren't. They actually, it. they kicked me out. <laughs> yeah. At the very end. Yeah. Lily and I uh, stayed there till the very end. And then uh, we were both removed. Yep. NVC shuts, <laughs> shuts down the club. That's how it works. Yep. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I also got a chance to play a game called Garage, mm-hmm. which is a very, very interesting game. Now, I initially looking at this game, it looks very reminiscent to like Smash TV. It's a top-down twin-stick shooter. Um, so it's set in like this zombie apocalypse world, and it's very grimy. It's a dark game, and there's like this natural like CRT line thing going on over the screen, oh, man, which is yeah. cool. Um, so yeah, like it looks like it's a. It comes off sort of just by looking at it as a fast-paced shooting, like running through levels type of game. But it's really actually slower, and you have to be strategic while you're playing this game. I I wouldn't call this like a Resident Evil game, but it definitely feels like it takes elements from that series and it uses them well do you move the crosshairs yourself or like yeah because uh, the crosshairs go all over the place yeah yeah so so straight you, up a twin stick shooter but button. not distance you just move it left and right you can just move it around yeah okay, so it yeah. is so you don't it, get faster with yeah. distance right right exactly it does play um with like you know both sticks it's a twin stick shooter but like there's melee weapons in the game and the weapons all react very differently ammo is incredibly scarce in this game so um in the demo like they, they gave me a huge surplus of ammo because they obviously wanted us to complete it mm-hmm. but they said in the final build of the game that you're actually going to be saving your bullets uh, for when you need it like you'll be u- using a lot of melee weapons there's an axe and it feels really good when you connect with the enemies yeah. it's got this weird fog of war effect huh? when you're behind a wall it like blocks out yeah um, there's line of sight yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. it's really stuff. cool like, can, almost like a tabletop game mm-hmm. yeah it's really cool I, I like this sort of like traditional survival horror elements that have been folded into what is kind of a smash tv style game um, it reminds me of a really good version of Resident Evil Gaiden, which came to the Game Boy, mm-hmm. which was a top-down Resident Evil oh, game. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. That, yeah. that most of you should forget because it was not good. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, but yeah, no, this is a fun game. Uh, I believe it's coming out a little bit sooner. I think May 11th. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's just around the corner. Um, so keep your eye out on that if you're a survival horror fan and, mm-hmm. you're, and you like indie games. Um, but another game that we got a chance to play, I don't know if you played it, Brian. I did not, no. no. Lightfall is also coming to Nintendo Switch. Now, this game is for all you speedrunners out there as well. If you, if you enjoyed Celeste, if you liked that style of gameplay where... It's a lot of restarting, a lot of like trying to, you know, do the stage over again or get that perfect run. Then this is definitely a game you have to keep your eyes on. Um, it, it brings in some interesting mechanics, though, where like in, let's say, a game like Celeste, you had the ability to sort of um, hyper dodge or like, you know, boost up to yep. different areas. Where Well, the mechanic in this game is you can create platforms under you um, or you can create them on the side and sort of just grab onto them in midair. But the sort of trick is you can only create four while you're in the air at a time and then you have to touch the ground uh, to actually reset it. So, like, you can essentially create your own pathways. There's no real route for you to take. Sure, it's it's usually either left or right, but the verticality in this game is really mm. what makes it very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can essentially just play it the way you want. And there's boss fights, too, at the very end of uh, a lot of these levels. I don't know if every level has one, but the one that I got a chance to play, I 
could not finish. Uh, I tried so many times. It was very difficult. And the boss uh, the boss fights just act out like very intense um, speed runs, essentially. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you're constantly trying to uh, chase the clock, and you can... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's online leaderboards as well that you can like upload your score and compete with friends. So I'm really curious to see where the game uh, goes story-wise. The story itself seems like pretty interesting. There is a story, definitely, and there's lore in this world. Um and I think the block itself, they call it a shadow core. So, like, everything has a name for it. The character even has a name, too. I totally forgot it off the top of my head. But, yeah, it's just a very, very cool, smaller uh, game. So, for people listening to the show, I like art style, like, a little bit like Patapon or something, right? Like, yes. kind of like yeah. shadow style graphics. Yep. Right. Oh, like the, um, the flies or something that is, what is that? Oh, oh yeah, it's like following it. There's all these little little dust, it's like speckles. these little pixie things. Yeah, yeah. yeah is I'm it not part of the gameplay, or no, they don't really interact with the character. But it looks like it's emitting off of him. I actually didn't even notice that until you pointed it yeah. out. I was just so busy. Yeah, I wonder if that is is some sort of because power. Were, or the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe they create the blocks. Yeah, yeah. This looks get, fun, Brian. Did you get to play a lot of um, like Switch uh, other indies? Do you guys do you guys have time as a dev team to ever like look at what the other guys are doing? And the thing is, like we, I mean, I've got a pretty big family and stuff, yeah. and so I never get to use my TV for for one, like in the living room. And uh, yeah, just, a, Switch has a solution for that. No, it, it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but. I've only been playing like Mario Odyssey, actually, <laughs> and then just very much bits and pieces. Like for me, it's it's much easier and much more relaxing to just talk to the guys in or and girls in the office mm-hmm. because they play they play so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they also they they always come up with really good sort of uh, they can sort of pinpoint things immediately. It's like this is really cool. Like, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. Mm. Instead of like. Wasting time. That's, that's yeah. amazingly Researching. rude to say that. Yeah, yeah. but like, uh, yeah, they do the research. Right? Oh, that's awesome. And I'm working next to. I mean, Julius, who is our community manager at Imageform. Mm-hmm. He's he's just encyclopedic, right? You can yeah. you can ask him anything. He'll he'll have dates for you. <laughs> 30, awesome. 30, 40 years back. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, I got one more game I want to talk about before we move on to the last segment of the show. And is it, is it Bomb Chicken? It can be, I guess. Oh, which one did you want? <laughs> All right, we got two more games okay, to talk about. Let's talk about Bomb Chicken first. All right, Bomb Chicken real quick. Uh, I really, really, really like this game. Uh, you're a chicken that lays eggs that are bombs. I could tell that you would like this. Yeah. I, just, <laughs> I saw it in the presentation. It is, like, it is fun. Yeah, and I thought it'd be bomber, like sort of Bomberman-ish, but uh, it's a side-scrolling platforming game. You have you have this pudgy little chicken, and he's so great. And you can you kind of have an endless stack of bombs. The bombs can kill you, which is interesting, because it's weird to lay eggs that can kill you. But you can kick them as weapons. You can climb on them as platforms you can use them to trigger uh buttons and icons and open up you know environments and areas and levels and basically it's your end-all be-all you also fight enemies with them just by running up leaving a stack and then Mm -hmm. uh and so every now and then these doors ask you for a bunch of money and using all the money you get uh you feed them into the doors and you open up new areas um it's super clever it's really fun the art's great I like this game a lot, and I can't wait to play more of it. When I first thought, it. saw it, I thought it was an R2 game, like something yeah. like Jules made, you know? To- it Just sounds like style one. and everything. It totally and sounds and like he one. loves chickens. Yep, he does love he chickens. He does, yeah. yeah. He's doing the chicken wiggle Kickstarter right now. That's true. I will say the gameplay itself seems very simple, and it, and it is in action as well, but it's so fun to run around as this chicken just laying bombs and blowing stuff yeah. up. It's a very Nintendo thing to do to yeah. take a simple, goofy mechanic like this and then stretch it out to a million different directions and and kind of see how many different ways you can use it. Um, yeah. 
And I so I really, I really like that about this game. I love the look and animation. Yeah. It's just really okay. cute. You're good to go. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you love the look and animation of this game, well, then you're going to be very surprised about this next game. Because uh, the next one is Just Shapes and Beats. Figured. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit... Uh, it's a simple looking game from the graphics perspective. But the gameplay here is incredibly fun. I, pl- I got a chance to play this with uh, three other people. So we had like four people on screen. Uh, you're looking at the gameplay that I recorded with two people, though. Um, and so what this is, is it's essentially a bullet hell uh <laughs> rhythm game what so you're constantly trying to avoid uh things but it's it's the soundtrack of this game that really really uh picks it up because the things that are happening on screen are totally in sync with the music and so you're sort of like dodging this stuff to a certain rhythm um that is very very i don't know it's, it's very hard to describe but it really gets your heart racing and it gets very intense and very hard so what's cool is you definitely want to play this game with another person because mm-hmm. you're going to probably die a lot like i did in, in my in my demo with it um and it's really easy to like revive your friends and stuff. oh cool i didn't realize you could do that uh, mm-hmm. and like where i think during the presentation i saw they were like side scrolling stages where it's like right. a little ship jumping over stuff so it has different types of there's actually there's like a world map yeah. which is really interesting so like you this is just like a level that's happening inside of the game and it, it is it is actually moving like from side to side you can see wow um so you're constantly having to dodge stuff that's you know sometimes coming out of the center of the screen and Ooh. stuff that's coming from the sides um but the level itself is constantly moving in motion and then when you complete each level uh, you go back to the overworld and then there are these really weird parts where you have to get into a boat and then you can actually control the boat and there's this little music thing there that happens it's a very interesting game very fun party game uh, definitely keep your eye on this one if you if you're looking for a good party game to play with your friends I really enjoyed my time with it and uh, it looks so mean yeah, yeah. it's brutal it's so hard so in terms of a rhythm game is that happening without your input or are you tapping along with the rhythm or is it just sort of like a, the soundtrack is defining the enemy patterns it's it's kind of like you remember those old screensavers on computers that yeah. would like sync to music or like yeah. xbox like winamp visualizer like a, basically yeah, yeah, a yeah winamp visualizer that's what this is Sweet. it's winamp visualizer the video game but with really good only music. 90s kids were so the music tells you dodge now yeah yes. like, oh i love that you can anticipate and, yeah. the big things that are coming like the big hits like especially once you learn the songs and i can Totally, like, take my word for it. The music is really, really good. Um, it's uh, some of the artists are, if you're familiar with like chiptune artists, um, wow. Cubby is featured in the mm-hmm. soundtrack, and I know he's a very, very popular uh, chiptune artist. So nice. things like that um, are really cool and compelling about There's the something game. like very Fantasia about all of this. Yeah. Oh, like the, the, the uh, I, I remember. Yeah. Like, like was, it's, it, this is one of those games where, if right, I, again, if I looked at it. Lights and, of Spring or something, they did something like yeah, that. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 When you look at this game at first glance, I was like, yes, yeah, it's a just kind of simplistic, you know, it's, it's like a, just like your typical sort of like one developer indie game. And then it keeps going and going and going and I can't look away. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really. I'm really that. excited to play this one. Very fun. And that guy kind of looks like Pac-Man. Yeah. But those are just a few of the games that we got a chance to go hands on with at GDC from uh, the Nindies showcase this week. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Brian. Altano for joining us. Zach is going to swap in and he's going to tell us a little bit about something special happening this week regarding Wind Waker. Zach Attack. Thanks for having me. See you guys soon. Bye, Brajan. Bye, Brajan. <laughs> <laughs>
Here we go! And welcome back to part two of NVC, and we're joined by Zachary Ryan. I'm back. Here to tell us a little bit about The Wind Waker. Yeah, so uh, an interesting opportunity presented itself this week. Um, This week, this Saturday, marks the 15th anniversary of the original North American release of The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Um, Those of you that are fans of the show know that it's my personal favorite game of all time, and I thought that this would be sort of a great impetus to uh, start something that I've been kind of kicking around with you guys for a while, uh, kind of looking back at big Nintendo releases uh, for each week uh, of that week, right? So March 24th marks the release of... Uh, the 15 year anniversary of The Legend of Zelda. So I've got a little bit of a history lesson, and then I kind of want to talk about uh, what we thought about the game at the time, what we think about it now. I'll try to keep it tight, but let's uh, let's jump in here. So this is the eighth game of The Legend of Zelda series, and I'm not counting Four Swords Adventures in this case. Um, come at me if you have to. Um, released on in North America on March 24th, 2003, three months after the Japanese release. Um, back then, uh, Matt Casmasina, close personal friend of Pear, yeah. gave the game a 9.6 and saying, The Wind Waker is a masterful achievement a shining example, in fact, of how video games should be made in a case study for developers wondering what makes a compelling game. So, you know, yeah, maybe right. take some notes yeah. there. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Better learn. So a lot of the history stuff that I'm going to give you guys right now is coming from uh, the story of The Wind Waker by Kez McDonald, a uh, former IGN staffer currently at Kotaku. She wrote this piece back uh, around the time of The Wind Waker HD's release. Mm-hmm. And then also there's a really great Iwata Asks. Are you familiar with the uh, Iwata Asks platform? Um, no. no. Yeah, so Awada asks is this awesome sort of uh, uh, questionnaire that uh, Mr. Awada used to do to IGN, or IGN staff, to Nintendo staff, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of deep dive into games. And there's some really awesome like development and programming and art design notes that come out of these things. So a lot of that stuff is coming from here. Mm, cool. Um, so real quickly, personnel uh, directed by Eiji Onuma. So, father of modern Zelda games. Um, produced by M- Miyamoto and uh, uh, Takashi Tezuka. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Matsuhiro Takano, who did Star Fox 64 and Majora's Mask. And Hajime Takahashi, who actually worked on Pikmin and Luigi's Mansion. So, an interesting kind of take on the story by guys that worked on games that weren't super story-centric, right? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, music by Koji Kondo. Uh, and a whole staff of Nintendo composers. Uh, I think there were six other composers on this game. Uh, Koji Kondo famously writes, uh, Where's the Jumpy? Where's That's the Jumpy? Pear's favorite song where's from... The jumpy, uh, yeah. Where's the Jumpy? Yeah. Pear loves that song. Um, so the production for uh, Wind Waker actually began back before uh, Majora's Mask shipped. Uh, and it was originally planned to have a really similar style to uh, those games, like sort of that dark kind of mature look. Um, and it's it, the demo we saw. Right. And so right. it famously sort of made its debut at Space World in 2000. Mm-hmm. Pear, can you tell us a little bit about Space World? I saw Space that World? in person. Yeah, I was at Space World. Uh, Space World was this expo that Nintendo did, basically their own show, like a, like a mini Tokyo game show just for so here, Nintendo So here games. it is now if you're Here's watching. The, if yeah. you're watching it, you can see this demo. And like it looks cheesy now, but we were like, oh, my God, if the next Zelda game looks like this, Right, we're all in. This is all we ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's not what we got in the end. And like, and that initial kind of, you know, like when we f- actually got to see the, this, you were there. This game, there was a big reaction. But yeah. this is what we first saw at the at the event, and we loved it. Uh, they so, were like so I didn't know you were there. Wave Ray stuff, and all I didn't know you were there, like in person. Yeah, 
You saw it. Yeah. Okay, that's really cool. It was it was it was an an awesome moment to like see what we thought would become the GameCube Zelda like that. And you're like, oh my God. Right. You know. Well and eventually yeah. we got that with Twilight Princess, that sort of return to yep. the more mature and dark look in a Zelda game. Um Aonuma famously hated this demo. He said there's a quote from that Awada asked that said, The video clip didn't actually contain any big surprises. There wasn't any kind of revelation going on. It was more like a continuation of the previous version. So this is interesting because Pear, I feel like, is saying that that's what fans were looking for is this sort of continuation. Oh, yeah. But according to Nintendo... Same right, but according to Nintendo, not different enough from previous well, Zelda You have to remember, like, when Majora's Mask came out, um, the, the N64 and the engine used was, show, was showing its age. Majora's Mask did not run well, right? Mm-hmm. They took the Ocarina of Time engine, they, they created this much kind of, like, bigger open world centered around that, that center, the, the city in the center, and, like, it chugged, and it didn't always look beautiful, and it was very flickery. Mm-hmm. It looks better on, on 3DS now. Yeah. And so we were saying, oh, man, if they can just use this kind of, like, dark tone and more mature style from Ocarina of Time with Grown Up Link on the GameCube with these beautiful graphics, we're going to lose our minds. That's, that was the... It wasn't like, hey, let's get this exact same game again because Majora's Mask was already so different. Yeah. But we wanted that, like, evolution in graphics. But we would find come to find that Zelda would follow that same sort of formula for the next few games, yeah. right? Um, so it was around the time that, that Anuma was kicking this idea around that production shifted, thanks in part to uh, Yoshiki Hirahana and uh, Sotaru Takazawa. I'm sorry, Takazawa. I know I'm butchering Takizawa. these Takazawa, no, you are you, uh, are you just cringing over there? I no, feel like it's all good. Right. Thank you. It's beautiful. Um, so these two gentlemen presented Aonuma with early drawings of uh, tune versions of Link and other Hyrule inhabitants. In fact, I have those drawings. Uh, if uh, Andres wants to bring those up here, you can see the original uh, sketches that they did. So there's, you know, Toon Link and and uh, a, a Moblin. Uh, or is that yeah. Moblin? Yeah, yeah that's Moblin. Um, that th- these are the initial uh, images that were presented to Anumasan that said like, hey, this is the direction that we're thinking about going. I mean, super um, close to what we got, yeah. especially the Moblin design that that is basically it. Whereas like Link, they definitely tweaked the uh, the eyes. Of course, nowadays if people had seen this character, everybody would have said Link is a girl. It's confirmed, right? Right. <laughs> is he not <laughs> a girl? I thought Link was the girl the whole yeah. time. No, that's uh, that's Metroid. Oh my bad. But it's kind of close though, yep. right? I mean, uh, very close. Yeah, yeah, it's not far away. Yeah. Hair and the the crazy dangly sideburns, everything. Uh, so, one of the, the gentlemen who drew these these images, uh, Hirohana, he credits a lot of this look to his mentor, uh, Yoichi Kotabe, who we know did a lot of uh, uh, box art and instruction manual illustrations for Nintendo. Famously, he did this, the designs for Super Mario Brothers Three, mm. um, Super Mario World. Uh, that's all Kotabe's work. Oh, okay. um, but before he was at Nintendo, he worked at Toei, which is a Japanese animation company. Right. You familiar with Toei? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, he worked on a, a film in the 60s called The Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon, uh, which if we want to roll that B-roll here, uh, if you're watching at home, you can see this, this uh, trailer for this film from 1963, which is just dead on looking just like the wind wake it's yeah, i mean it's it's awesome when you see the expressions on the character close up like just the 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 
the face and the you know the, look at the eyebrows and right. everything. It's so Wind Waker looking, and it's such an interesting or the other way around. Like it's such an interesting look because this is such a a time and a place for animated films from Japan. Like the, like sixties and seventies, a lot of anime looked like this, mm-hmm. um, and then they sort of got away to the more familiar stuff that that we know today. But this is a very distinct look, and I think like even the fire and stuff is very mm-hmm. representative of what you would see mm-hmm. in Wind Waker. Um, so a lot of Toei animation. Uh, uh, borrowed for the Wind Waker's design, but a lot of people specifically point to this this film, and I think it's pretty easy to understand why when you're looking at it in motion. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really cool. If you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend watching. It's a really interesting sort of uh, series of vignettes. It's a cool, cool film. Um, so eventually the game was re-revealed the following year at Space World as uh, oh, man. the Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to run some footage here that was that it's sort of the only existing footage that we've got. It's shot off screen. But this was the original reveal. And uh, oh, boy, people were pissed. <laughs> uh, f- sort of infamously dubbed Zelda. Uh, Zelda. Yeah, yeah, Zelda fans were uh, very angry that their their more mature, dark version of Link, like in uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, wasn't being represented represented <laughs> on this new powerful hardware. Um, but you know, ultimately, this like Saturday morning cartoon look has uh, sort of won out and stood the test of time. Which is it's interesting to have you on this segment because I feel like a lot of image and form games have borrowed a cell shaded look, and the conversation around cell shading is that it 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 represents a kind of timeless look. Like yeah. Steamworld Dig Two will look just as amazing as it does in fifteen twenty years as it does right now. And that's the same case with, with Zelda. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about why you guys chose that sort of art style for, for SteamWorld? <clears throat> well, the thing was that um, for the first one, we um, there is a difference. I mean, uh, it'd be hard for Andres to pull it up on the screen right sure. now. <laughs> but like uh, for the first one, we're, uh, SteamWorld Dig, we use like pretty heavy outlines for mm-hmm. the characters. Mm-hmm. And that sort of like sets them apart from the backgrounds and so on. It's sort of like an easy way to... This is the character. This like uh, mm-hmm. this is the environment that you're moving around in. <clears throat> with uh, like even when when we started with Steamboat Heist, the first uh, drawings that we had were actually sort of like cel shaded. Mm. It was uh, uh, no outlines. Sort of you you see this character standing by itself, and I I didn't like it. Oh mm. yeah, it was it was a tough moment too yeah. because like. <clears throat> Um, if you if you trust your designers enough, right, th- to say that I trust you guys, you you, you like you, it's going to look beautiful. This is going to work beautiful. This is going to sound beautiful, etc. And then you start sort of yeah, but can we change this and this and this? It's really hard for for staff to sort of ignore it completely. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, whatever, Grandpa. It's like, we're, <laughs> we're not going to do it that way. Well, I mean, I imagine this this happened with this game, yeah. but the audience was giving the feedback, right? Yeah. Like the the feedback when when Link was revealed and was more childlike with big like googly eyes and like doing the cartoon like running in the air and falling thing. Like people were so angry. Yeah. They were so angry. And so I remember that um the development team was like, "Why are they not clapping?" right? Like there yeah. was this kind of like this this moment where the design team was I'm sure thinking, did we make a huge mistake too, mm. right? But the, also, I mean, like it, it's like the characters. The Ze- I mean, Zelda, like you said, is like the eighth game in, in mm-hmm. the series. Character doesn't really belong to Nintendo anymore. It's like, <laughs> it it belongs to the, to the players. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they have they grow up with this. I mean, right. eight games, like it's a long, it's it's a fair chunk of time. Right? Yeah, 
So you you have grown accustomed to it, and you demand that it's well it, perfect. It's what it, you remember. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, it's, right. it's supposed to look like. And that. I think that there's some sort of like weird disconnect between the the narrative and the gaps that your brain fills in when you're playing those earlier Zelda yeah. games versus what what the actual concept art looks like and stuff because in in a lot of gamers minds like mine included like when I think about the fantasy world of Zelda it's sort of a dark fantasy you know right. especially mm-hmm. like Zelda 2 and and Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask um, but if you go back and look at the concept art for the original Zelda he's just this like pudgy little the box art boy, too you know? right like yeah. it's a little yeah. chunky dude and like, yeah. he actually looks closest to Wind Waker right he looks yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I right. think it's interesting that people were so up in arms. Like, it's, you were obviously in the industry at the time. What were your thoughts? My on first reaction yeah. was like, "What?" Like, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I was like, "But aren't they trying to get a more mature gaming audience?" Right? Sure. Like, I, I was, I was really surprised. And then I, like, it grew on me. But, mm-hmm. it, but the initial reaction was, "Oh no, what have they done?" Like, mm-hmm. I wanted oh, really? that fight in my mind. That fight looked a lot better than it looks now. Right. Right. And so you're like. Wait till Ganon turns into the giant pig. It'll be so cool, mm-hmm. right? Ganondorf. Sure. And then, um, and then you're presented with this cartoon. I'm like, oh, I didn't want that. And then as I kept rewatching it, I'm like, oh man, look, those trees look like the trees from A Link to the Past, mm-hmm. and Link looks like the original kind of Link from the concept uh, from the box art. And so it kind of grows on you. But there was a big contingent of the audience that was vehemently opposed to it, who were but pissed and said they wouldn't buy this. Right. That's the thing. I mean, like. I- Especially visually, people reject change. I mean, we don't want things to change. Like whenever like a company changes their logo, for example, mm-hmm. or like a like a product starts mm-hmm. looking different, there's a there's always like a violent re- reaction to yep. it, and then you grow accustomed to it. And uh, like today, I mean, nobody is really talking about this as a huge. It's, it's right. still not. It's still not making people angry. Is what right, you're saying, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. right. right. Yeah. So, like, as a 16 year old animation dork in high school, when I saw this reveal, I was all in from the get go. You know, like, yeah. I, being a Saturday morning cartoon guy and seeing this, how fluidly it ran, was just like, oh, this is amazing. Like, this but had is you exactly... played Ocarina of Time before? So then? Th- that's actually an interesting thing because Wind Waker, the visual style of Wind Waker, was the the sort of impetus for getting me into Zelda. I okay. had played a Link's there Awakening a hundred years mm. prior, yeah. uh, and and really enjoyed that but this game got me so excited to to play a zelda game that i ended up going back and playing ocarina majora and link to the past sort of back to back to back that's the key difference yeah. like people you know the character had evolved in people's minds and right. so suddenly we got this like record scratch go back to the beginning i bet you're wondering how we got here yeah, yeah I, remember, uh, uh-huh. I remember being like i think i was 10 years old maybe uh-huh. um when that original like GameCube demo of the, the more realistic Link, more mature Link came out. And I remember actually seeing Wind Waker and feeling opposite of how you felt, Zach, like just mm-hmm. disappointed, more like, oh, really? Here. And I was only like 10 years old. I wanted sure. that more mature look. But lo and behold, mm-hmm. after playing it, it ended up being one of the most like emotional experiences I've had yeah. in video games. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't think we're covering spo- or we're going to spoil anything for anyone out there. It's but, a 15 year old game. If you yeah. haven't played it by now, I mean. <laughs> but like when you get to like Hyrule Castle for the first time and right. you sort of oh. like realize like what What's going on? To like, me, we, yeah. we did a list oh. of, of uh, top moments in gaming and uh, yeah, last year, and that was one of that moment is yeah. one of my most fi- like favorite moments in all of gaming. When you pull the sword out and the color spreads throughout yeah. the castle, like such a cool moment. Totally, to do um, a frozen in time plays. Yeah, so black cool. and white was so cool. Yeah, too. Uh, <laughs> the so game eventually ships in. Uh, uh, 2002 in Japan, 2003 in the States. Um, it was 
at that at that time the GameCube was not performing super hot. Um, and the general rumor is that this game and Super Mario Sunshine were sort of rushed out the gate because Nintendo was saying things like, "Hey, we need to have two heavy hitters on this platform mm. because right now it's not selling super well." Um, and as a result of that, yeah, so it wound up uh, this game got cut quite a bit. Uh, we lost two full dungeons that actually ended up in later Zelda games, and instead they replaced those dungeons with the Triforce quest, quest which is terrible and bad. In the original, so if um, you uh, play the remake, it actually got fixed. Right. Like it got changed. Yeah. The original was a little bit like almost the game almost ground to a halt if you hadn't taken some of those side quests before then or found some of the pieces. It was it became a chore. Just grinding for rupees yeah. and, and and trying yeah. to track down Tingle's maps and stuff like that. And I think that the the HD version uh, that came out you know, several years later, really made that a lot more succinct yep. and fixed a lot of those and issues. And fixed the right. travel fixed the sailing. So you can yeah. do fast travel. Yep. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the look and what we liked about it, but I, I also wanted to mention a couple of things that, that uh, I really dug about this game and kind of get your opinion. Uh, the revamped combat in, in Wind Waker, the idea of a, of a parry that allowed you to flip around behind enemies or uh, use the grappling hook to steal things from enemies that were coming at you. I thought that was it's, really interesting. It's a quick time event done right. Mm-hmm. Like the, when, when you're getting attacked and you're, you're waiting, you're, you're leaving yourself open, the A button um, flashes, right? It gets that little uh, the starburst around it. If you hit it at the right time, he'll roll around the enemy. When you're locked, uh, locked on, right. rolls around the enemy and slashes the enemy from the, from the end. It's, it feels really satisfying. Yeah. It just feels really good. And then later it becomes a gameplay element where you have enemies when you're who are taking armored from the front, nuts, yeah. but they got little leather straps on the back, so you roll around, go chuk, cut, and then the armor falls off. Right. Like it's yeah, that was a really good combat system. And the flip over the the flip over the top right. too, and to take off the helmets and yep. things like that. I think it's also probably the most cheerful post apocalypse we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, true. I actually I, I feel like SeaWorld Dig is also sort of a cheerful post apocalypse. Yeah, uh, right. And, and this game is very similar in the same way in that that there's been this catastrophic event, but people aren't necessarily bummed out about it. Right. You know, it's enough time has passed that they're yeah. sort they of getting remember. on with life. Exactly. They don't, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like in your right. world, like well, the robots are cool with it, right? Yeah, they're yeah. totally fine with it. I mean, and, and they wouldn't, yeah, probably weren't sad at any point, right? Right. It's, um they're robots. Yeah, they're robots. <laughs> I feel like I feel like sorrow is, a, is programmed into some of those robots in your game for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. they have a little bit of sorrow or yearning, or, right. and stuff. But so not over the ability to kind of be the dominant race. Huh? No, exactly. Yeah. That's sort of they're not wired for that. Right. My, <laughs> my robot felt sorrow whenever my bag was full and all these diamonds popped out. Right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was very that much was for that. that. That's yeah. when my robot Sad felt moment. the most sorrow as well. Uh, Digital tears everywhere. This the last thing that I want to talk about before we kind of close up shop. And I'm sorry, I know we've already gone over here, but uh, this game. Uh, very closely connected to Ocarina of Time, mm-hmm. uh, narratively. Uh, sort of the first game to acknowledge that other Zelda games had come before it and kind of kicked off this idea of... I, I know that you're familiar with this too, I'm sure. The the timeline theories and the multiple timelines and this sort of debate about what Zelda games happen when and the kind of thing that makes Miyamoto-san roll his eyes but gets like Zelda geeks like myself and, and Philip you know, talking about like, oh, where does this fall in the timeline? Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. Yeah, That yeah. is so cool. 
And it's a curveball in this game because you didn't expect Wind Waker to connect to Ocarina because right. the art styles are so different, mm-hmm. right? You're expecting this to be a standalone game. First of all, mechanics-wise, it's the only game at that point with a boat where you, like, travel around, whereas, like, Ocarina and Majora... Uh, yeah, Ocarina had all this horse stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Majora had all the kind of... Um, King of Red Lions. Uh, turn, like, turning, yeah. into, turning into different characters like a Goron. And, and so this game felt like a new, a new story, a different story. And then you find Hyrule Castle, you, you're like... It's, Wait, what? It's all... It's oh, all there. It's all the same. <laughs> you all the legends are real. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, bastard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, the big question here is, uh, since the HD remaster came out in 2013 for Wii U, uh, when will we see it on Switch? Would you guys be interested in uh, having a Switch version to take on the road? I feel like that's probably a, a silly question to ask to this crowd. Um, <laughs> and uh, not to put you on blast here, but if it comes to Switch, will this finally be the opportunity for you to play Wind Waker all the way through and come I back on the show so, yeah, and talk exactly. to us about it. Yeah. yeah, and then we'll do a full sort of review of that. Perfect. So, <laughs> Great. So yeah, before you share, uh, be, yeah. before you join, he said, you know, his he's, TV he's telling gets, us off he, camera that he has TV gets uh, yeah. taken over by his family. Yeah. And so with the Switch, you can actually play games when uh, exactly. when the kids are taken over the big screen. Yeah. But um, so I actually, because I replayed it um when it came back out, I feel like it's very fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I would not go back to this well. I would love for Nintendo to go back to like uh, Super Mario Sunshine or, or some of those games that aren't as highly played first. Yeah. But like, yeah, I want all, like, GameCube had all these amazing games that look really, really good on the small screen. Yeah. I want them all. Like, just bring them back. Not me, sister. Yeah. I just want Wind Waker. So, <laughs> yeah. You really, but it's I, not, it's a you game didn't that play I, it recently? I, I, I played it when the HD remaster came just, out. And I'll tell you, I, I've played this much. game, <laughs> I've played this game top to bottom. I think probably more times through than I've played any other game. And I've definitely played it more than I've played any other Zelda game. It is my favorite, favorite game. And well, it's because it's it's the most charming, most personable version of Zelda that I think exists. And it's it's the first game where each weapon had a really unique trait yeah. to it, right? That's like, true, too. Yeah. The, hammer, uh, the hammer did different things to the enemies than mm-hmm. the sword. And, like, the swinging of the rope, you could steal things from your opponents. You could steal enemies, yeah. you know? Or uh, steal weapons from enemies, I mean, yeah. No, it's an amazing game. I love that. But you don't want to play it again. No, I just want to play other things first. I want to play SteamWorld Dig 3 first. I'll play that as well. Work on it. There were plenty of uh, people that did not buy a Wii U that did not get a chance to play Wind Waker HD. I'm not going to name names. Please don't name any names. But you guys guys have done some re-releases too, right? Like SteamWorld Heist, for example, and SteamWorld Dig 1 are available on, on Switch. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I mean, like we, for us, it was um, when we got the dev kit for the for the NX back mm-hmm. then. I mean, it was uh, mm-hmm. it was before, like before that meeting, uh, or they they had a word for it as like we were being disclosed. Yeah, that was the word. Yeah, and before we we sat in a cafeteria with nervously with a cup of coffee, talking mm-hmm. to a Nintendo guy that we know, and. Uh, I was sort of asking, so in which order should we do this? Like, is wouldn't it be best if we bring SteamWorld Dig um, to the Switch first? Yeah. And they said, uh, it's probably better if we go with, with new content yeah. because that's how we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And I agreed with that. I thought it was mm-hmm. really good. And also gave us sort of 
an opportunity to sort of to to blow it open for mm-hmm. ourselves. Like here comes Dig Two. It's a fantastic game yeah. on the Switch. If you like that game, then you should get back and uh, and play the older titles. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how Nintendo is going to do because. The Switch is such a success, right? Yeah. What if they would just bring back all, like back like catalog games? Yeah, well, and I mean by Bayonetta too. Yeah, and sure. Yeah, right yeah, that's back. happened. And like you, it could have like they didn't wait for Bayonetta three to come out, so you know that's they right. did it yeah. the other way around. That's yeah. True. yeah, some some learnings there, but I mean, I'm personally I'm glad that that Dig Two came to uh, Switch first yeah. because I hadn't had an opportunity to play the other SteamWorld games, right. and so I played. I played through SteamWorld Dig 2. I immediately started over and played through it again. And then when 1 and Heist came to Switch, I played those as well. So right. it totally introduced me. You know, like I think in that case, they made the right call because it introduced me to a, a franchise that I wasn't familiar with that, yep. with a game that totally blew me away and then allowed me to go back and be like, oh, here's what I've missed. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Also, that's, that's sort of like what, what you use Nintendo for, right? They, mm-hmm. they think about these things. Sure. It's like, yeah, Brian, a very interesting idea, but let's do it this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Right on. I, I would take a Zelda collection though that includes it. Ooh. Like yeah. with you know, with some of the older games in it. What if it was just the the uh Masters collection from the GameCube that was like oh, Zelda one, yeah. two, Ocarina Majora's Mask, and then Wind Waker. And then Wind Waker. Yeah. I would so even take be a three D yeah. collection that doesn't include Breath of the Wild or something. Like if there What about a three D collection that doesn't uh that doesn't include Twilight Princess or Skyward Sword? That'd be fine. I like Twilight Princess. I like I, I enjoyed Skyward Sword. All right, all right. I'll we take can talk it. about this all day. We've got plenty of time to talk about this. <laughs> oh man. Thank you very much for joining us, Brian. Well, thank it you very much for having me. All the way from Foster. Sweden. Yep. Yes. yes. Thank you. Very cool. And have a great rest of your GDC as well. Well, thank you very much. Well, and thank you guys for tuning in with us this week. We are a weekly show on IGN.com, but you can also also catch us on YouTube.com and your favorite podcast listening services. So definitely make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already, and we will see you next week.